As we celebrate this Easter Sunday, we are highlighting specifically the greatest victory that has ever occurred in human history when Jesus got up from the grave just as he said he would, when he said he would. And today's message is, we're going to see that being the focal point of what's shared um, by the early apostles and particularly the Apostle Paul. So I'm going to invite, turn with me to Acts 17, and we're going to start at verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed when he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with those who worship God, as well as in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also debated with him. Some said, what is this ignorant show-off trying to say? Others replied, he seems to be a preacher of foreign deities because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. They took him and brought him to the Areopagus and said, may we learn about this new teaching you are presenting? Because what you are saying sounds strange to us. And we want to know what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners residing there spent their time on nothing else but telling or hearing something new. Paul stood in the middle of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that you are extremely religious in every respect. For as I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar which was inscribed to an unknown God. Therefore, when you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by hands. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. From one man, he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your poets, some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Since we are God's offspring, then we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image fashioned by human art and imagination. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent. Because he has set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. He has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some began to ridicule him, but others said, we'd like to hear from you again about this. So Paul left their presence. However, some people joined him and believed, including Dionysus, the Areopagite, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. And I pray that you give us clarity as we 
walk through your word. May you be glorified, Father, and may you stir up in us, mold us from the inside out that we can walk out your truth. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For those um, that I guess many times, we uh, most Sundays, other than fifth Sundays and special Sundays, we have children's ministry. Uh, today we have everybody in here to, uh, together because we want the families to worship together. So um, I meant to say this earlier. So if they talking and stuff, parents, just shush them. I'm going to ignore them. I got seven kids so I can zone that out. So I'm going to pray that y'all can just zone that out and just focus, okay? All right? All right. So, um we see in this passage um, a historical narrative of Paul visiting Athens. Uh, when I read this passage, it made me think about uh, treasure hunters. We have TV shows about treasure hunters you'll find, and some of them, they spend hours, days, months, years traveling all over the world seeking for treasure. They don't know if they're going to find it. They don't even know what they're looking for. All they know is there is something valuable out there somewhere, and they dedicate their lives to finding it. Now, the game changer is when they actually get a treasure map. Because when they get a treasure map, what they find is, one, the map is a message that there is treasure, and number two, where to find it. We see in this passage of Paul visiting Athens and he sees people all over the city looking for truth and can't find it. They're looking for answers and can't find it. Matter of fact, we saw in the passage they said that the people in Athens, they spent time doing nothing else and just talking and discussing and trying to learn something new. They were ever learning and yet never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Paul is stirred up when he sees this. He's moved. The, the, the way the, the original language phrases it, in his spirit was just moved and shifted when he saw the city full of idols. And he says, I got to do something. I want you to think about your lives. What is something in your life that bothers you? Like when you see it happening. Like, I had a buddy of mine who's a pastor now, and we, we joke about our past, you know, because you may see us, we, we pastors and preachers, and you think, oh, we've been, we've had it all together our whole lives growing up, but, but Jesus saved us too, okay? And, and, and my buddy, he was known to be the bully destroyer growing up. He hated bullies. It was so much so, when he was in middle school, he had the green light from an assistant principal that if a bully was bullying people, he could handle it and he wouldn't get in trouble. Now, that makes me laugh because I'm like, how you just going to give a dude a green light to beat somebody up? But it, 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 he, he told me, he said it was in the lunchroom, and this dude was bullying people, and he beat up this girl, and the assistant principal just gave him the name. H handled. Handled. You know, he, he, bullies, he couldn't stand bullies. Some of us, we see things in life we, 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 that, that bothers us. It, it, it got to be handled. It, it could be bullying. It could be when we see injustice, when we see things happen in life. To people, when we see racism, when we see people being taken advantage of, just different things that it bothers us. I want you to think about, make this personal to you. What is something that bothers you? When you see it, it just stirs you up. Now, when you're holding on to that, I want to ask this question. Do you feel that same way when you see people worshiping other things and other gods and other people other than the one true God? Does that stir you up? 
Does that get you as upset when you see people bowing down and praying to or or, or making light of or just throwing stuff out? The other day, I, I saw a young lady who professes to be a Christian, and she posted something on her website, I mean, on her Facebook, and she, she had a, I get that, that, that little I don't know, it's like that straight bark or whatever it was. She's talking about, I'm, I'm doing a sage today in my house. And I was like, what you doing that for? And she was like, oh, it's an old tradition. For what? And I'm like, so is that smell from that smoke going to make a demon flee? Or is it in the name of Jesus? Because you profess Christ. So what are you doing? You're giving mixed messages, even over social media. You don't need that. Matter of fact, that sage ain't doing nothing. That's like, that's like a moth to a flame. You're inviting that activity. Paul saw the city was full of idols. And, 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 and he said, man, I, I got to speak up. So what did he do? He, he went in his, his MO. He, he went to the Jews and those who worship God. And he was proclaiming to them that the Messiah has come. And then it said he went to the marketplace. So what did he do? He went into the, the religious institutions and discussed and was proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. But then he also went into the marketplace. And the text, and the text says, and whoever walked by, he was sharing the good news. Whoever, whoever would give him an ear, he was sharing the good news. He was so moved. He said, look, I, I have to tell somebody. They're looking, and what happened was, because of his passion for the good news, God opened up even a bigger opportunity for him to share the good news of Jesus Christ. See, he, he was moving, he was bothered, and he responded because of his deep love for Jesus. You may be sitting there thinking, I, I'm not a preacher. I'm not, I'm not like Paul. I'm, I'm, as a matter of fact, you may be a Bible student. And you say, look, Paul was called specifically to go to the Gentiles preacher. So that's Paul. That ain't me. But one thing I see throughout the book of Acts is, yes, the apostles had a specific call. They had a specific job. And yet all the believers were called to give testimony and witness to Jesus Christ. Many of y'all heard me say this before. You may sit there and think, I'm not a Bible scholar and I can't, I can't reason from the scriptures and all of that. That's, that. That may be true. But let me share this again. If you know enough of the gospel that it saved you, you know enough to share it with somebody else. And my prayer is that our hearts are moved just like Paul's heart was moved, like his spirit was moved when he saw idolatry. Now, today, that don't seem like that big of a deal to us. But think about this. He was in a city where that was normal. He was the odd one that was bothered. People are looking at him. Matter of fact, when he started talking, what did they say about the Epicureans and the Stoics? They said, Lord, that's ignorant show off. Your different Bible versions may, may vary in that word it's translating because uh, it may say babbler. It's a word that's actually used when talking about somebody like, like taking scraps. Like they're like, he, he's not even as sophisticated or as smart. He's talking, he's he not even on our level. Who is this dude talking? Who is this dude giving all this information? But it was so weird, they were like, we want to hear a little more of this. This sounds crazy. Keep talking. Y'all do know that's what it's like today. Nothing has changed. 
You get to talking about Jesus, folks sitting around here, man, man, that sounds crazy. What you talking about? You get to th talking about the things of Jesus Christ and how to apply to your lives and your boys or your homegirls look at you and they think you're like, man, that is stupid. The world don't work like that. This is reality. That's, that's, that's that Bible. That, 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 don't, that, that doesn't work. Here Paul is sharing. And, 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 and now get this too. Uh, we may see this and we may think the times are so different, but it's not so much. Because it highlights these Epicurean philosophers and these Stoic philosophers. The Epicureans were those that, that lended more towards uh, pleasure. Now, they weren't hedonistic. They weren't just, just self-serving, pleasure-seeking. But the goal for life was to be happy. It was to be happy. So now they wouldn't go as far. Like one example today is like, say if they, they like drinking alcohol and feeling like, you know, feeling good. You know, people say they're feeling nice. They mean you're drunk and inebriated. But, you know, you're feeling nice, right? Uh, they feeling nice. They, well, they know that it would be destructive if you drank too far. You know, you get alcohol poison. So they wouldn't, they wouldn't you know, uh, esteem that. But they would go through life and assess through the physical world what makes one happy. And that is the best choice. Now, we experience that today. Most of the TV shows we watch, you know what you told? You know, follow your heart. You know, God don't want you, God don't want you to suffer. God don't want you upset. That makes you sad. They don't want you to do. You're supposed to be happy. It's the same type of philosophy. And they're looking at Paul crazy. They're like, man, what you talking about? And they sure weren't thinking about immortality. It was all about life now. It was straight up YOLO. I'm living my best life now. That's what the Epicureans are. But then you had the Stoics. The Stoics were all about, you know, uh, the physical cosmos and the one true rule of all was reason. Everything had to logically fit. And logic was the supreme God. It was the ruling principle. So they loved discussion and debate because it was a ruler. It wasn't a deity. It sure wasn't a personal God. It's about reason and what makes sense. That's why Paul sounds like some fool when he's talking about who God is and how God has raised a man from the dead. Now, that raising from the dead, you know, we're, we're on this other side of the cross. So when we think about being raised from the dead, we, you know, we, 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 we picture Jesus, you know, you know, glowing, you know, on the cloud flying. You know, we, we picture that, that glory, which... Which is, which is true. But when, when the apostles, when the early followers of Christ were going around to, especially the Greeks, talking about a resurrection of the dead, to the first century Greek or Roman, the imagery would come in their mind about a raised body would be straight up walking dead. You know, World War Z, one, that ain't attractive. I don't want to be walking around looking like that. I don't want to be walking around with my foot turned backwards and growling and just moved by instinct. That's not attractive. They weren't quite grasping the gospel, but this is why it was good because Paul was laying it out, and they give him opportunity to explain. He was moved for his passion of the good news, which moved him into actually, I, I, I ain't going to lie, I was, when I was studying this this week, I was getting excited because the content of the good news he lays out. You know, he's speaking to people that's not reading the Old Testament now. You know, in, when he was in the synagogue, 
he could reason a little differently because he could really reference the Old Testament because they were reading the scriptures. So he would argue that Jesus is the promised Messiah we've been waiting on. That was the message. You know, Paul wasn't some Greek dude. He was a Jew talking to Jews that Jesus was the one we were waiting on. But now they bring him to the Areopagus. This was a place that they would do uh, forms, legal hearings, council hearings. But also, remember, they like to discuss different things. You know, uh, think about first century Athens when he's talking. Um, you remember being in school? Actually, I got some different generations in here. So I got a generation that people used to gather in school and they used to sing. It might be like four of them, and they'd be harmonizing. Then I got another generation where folk, they gather around and somebody freestyling. I think I, I, got a, I got a younger generation in here, too, that it's, it's not just by freestyling, that it's straight battle rapping. We going at it. They, they, they would gather around for that. You know, like the first thing, they didn't have, um, you know, they weren't going to the movies. Now, they had plays, but what they would do would gather around, they would listen to people talk and debate and discuss, and that was entertainment. That's what you did. So they was like, hey, let's give him a hearing. So Paul shows up, he's in the Areopagus, and I want you to follow the flow of what he does. He first connects with them. He shows them common ground. He says, look, to all you Athenians, I see y'all religious people. And he's going to play off of that word. I see y'all religious. You got all kind of gods. You got a God for everything. You got a God for the sky, for the lightning, for the thunder. You got a God for the water, for the land, for the plants, for the seeds. You got gods for everything. But then I see you got this one inscription to the unknown God. He said, what you worshiping in ignorance, I'm going to tell you who this God is. Now, it wasn't, Paul wasn't saying that they were actually worshiping the true God and didn't know it. What he's playing off was, y'all are ignorant who God is based off the evidence y'all are worshiping all these other false gods. That actually, you read in 1 Corinthians, they don't even exist. He says, let me proclaim this to you. And then he lays this out. He starts with... He doesn't start, sometimes we think the gospel starts with the, with the cross and the, and the empty grave, but no, it goes back to the beginning. I love to tell people, Christianity didn't just start when Jesus walked the earth. It started when God said, let there be light, because it's all about God, all right? So, y'all put that in your back pocket. Remember that what I just said, all right? Um, he says, look, God is creator of all. He doesn't dwell in shrines that's made by human hands. He's even playing off of, he, he's not some statue. He's not some image that you make. You know, he's so much bigger. When we talk about uncontained, he can't be contained in the things that we build to make him fit in. You start talking about God cannot be contained in the boxes that we humans put him in. That's why many times we get so confused on what the work of God is and what God's will and plan is for our life because we put him in a box and when it doesn't fit our box that we've created for him then we don't believe it but he starts off we're talking about a transcendent God who always is he is the uncaused cause can't put him in a shrine. You can't put him in an idol. That, no, and then he says, he's not even one. He doesn't even need you to serve him. He, it, when you look at some, some of the ancient mythology, 
uh, you'll see that there are hints that the Greeks believed that the gods got their immortality because of the worship of the people. And so some people thought that if you stop worshiping, then the gods would die. And Paul is playing even off of that thought. He was saying, look, God is God whether you believe him or not. God is true whether you know him or not. His being is not dependent on your worship, even though he's calling for you to worship him. He says, he has made all of us. And I love this, what he says to him. He says, from one man, he has made every nationality. Oh, get that. Really? Hold up. Hold up. So all these different people that's in this room right now, I got people from, I, I, just off the top of my head, I see at least 10 nations represented, 10 countries, if not more. And he says, all y'all, all of us came from one dude. If you look a few weeks ago, I told you even scientists now have discovered after all this study and all this research, humanity came from a man and a woman. And we like, yeah, that's what we always seen, right? You know, it ain't come from a rock. You know, two turtles ain't get together and create no woman. He says, God, through one man, brought forth Every nationality, that right there should get rid of any pride that you may have to think you better or lesser than than anybody else. He said, from one man, every nation. Then he said, then he appointed their boundaries. Oh, snap. Like, that's, that kind of that messes you up a little bit. And he was like, you know, I, I used to always think, I, used to, I wrestle with this sometimes with trying to understand God. Because I'm like, you know, I can understand why people stayed in certain places of the world. You know, like, I, I can understand why certain people stay kind of close to the equator. You know, it's nice and warm constantly. But I'm like, but some people, I don't see how any human being stayed in, like, Siberia and Russia. Matter of fact, even in the States. I was in Minnesota, and I said, how did anybody decide we're going to stay? I'm like, dude, it's so cold. I'm like, look, we're just going to move till it's not cold anymore. But <laughs> I then I had to wrestle with this God upon their boundaries. I guess God set up, you know, he, he built us different. And we're going to live in different places. And we're going to represent him. And it's that multivariate, multilayered uh, um, display of his creation. His bountiful beauty and all that he makes. He, he, he's made from one man every nationality. And he appointed their borders. And he says, look, y'all know what I'm talking about. Paul said, y'all even your own poets say we is offspring. What he's pointing at is that y'all already believe even from poetry, even that you don't really realize you believe, he says you already contemplate and deal with this thought that you've been made by somebody greater. He says we have been made, which is the big transition. We're accountable to him because he's our creator. He says he's overlooked the times of ignorance in the past, and now he is demanding he is commanding he is calling everybody to repent now that that's that repent word that's one we don't like to talk about that's one that folk we we're just gonna overlook those verses we're gonna keep on preaching that just god loves you but he does love you he does love you that's why he's given us the opportunity to repent you know you think about you think about as as parents just the other day one of my kids received great mercy. 
great mercy. Because I was hot. And I made up my mind. I said, look, I'm going to give you one chance right now. And I, 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 I pulled out the old Joshua line. I said, look, tell the truth and give glory to God. You tell me the truth right now, you won't get in trouble. And I'm not going to slip up and give away who it was. My child <laughs> told me the truth. And I gave my child a hug. And I said, I appreciate you telling me the truth. You gave glory to God. You could have lied and made things worse. Now, what he experienced, was I can get away. <laughs> now, now you got to figure out which one of the three, right? Uh, <laughs> well, he, some of y'all got an idea and say, I know who it is. Uh, <laughs> but what, what he experienced, he, he, this child of mine was deserving punishment. And yet was extended an opportunity to tell the truth. And then received grace, received mercy. That's what God has done for us. It says that he's calling for everyone to repent. Now, repent, that don't mean you feel bad about it. You know, feeling bad about it is good because that means at least you're not a sociopath. All right? If you do some evil stuff and you don't feel bad about it, man, that's why they got jails. But repent means to turn from. There's a change of heart. You know, so like right now I'm facing you. Just now I repented from facing you. So when he says that he's calling, he's telling you, you've been turned away from God. To repent from your sin would be to return and now face him. It would be to turn to him. When it's internally that metanoia is a change of heart, meaning a heart that has been against God has now turned from being against God to now being for God. He says he's calling everyone to repent because this is the other part we don't like to talk about very often. But remember, think about this. Paul is saying all this to people that's never heard this before. He's laying out God is creator of all. He's in charge of all. He's sovereign. You have no control of him. You cannot command and tell God to do anything. Matter of fact, our very breath is because of him. Paul says, in him we live and move and have our being. Our existence is because of him. And then he moves, and he's called you to repent. You're accountable to him. Why? Because there's a time. He says that he has set a day when he will judge the world in righteousness. That's that part I said we don't have to talk about much. He's sharing this to people that's never heard it. He doesn't extract, he doesn't subtract from God's word or God's will. He wants to give them the whole of the gospel, all of the content. He says God has set forth a day that he will judge the world in righteousness. Now he says in righteousness meaning God has a standard and everyone's going to be judged to their standard. The problem is None of us can live up to that standard. That's our problem. None of us. That's like, it's, it, this is, this is the, the, the good news of Jesus Christ. Notice it says he was telling them the good news of Jesus. I'm going to share some good news with y'all. God is sovereign. He is over all. He called you to repent because you're going to get judged. Hold on, hold on. What a good news is that then? That don't sound like good news. That don't sound fun. It's not exciting. That's not motivating me. 
I'm not encouraged right now. Talk about he judging me. People, you say only God can judge me. Now we want to take that out. God can't even judge me no more. But he says there's a day that he's going to judge the world in righteousness. It's like this. Say that we're all going to go outside of this building. We're going to go outside this building. All right. In order for you to be saved, you got one time feet together. You got to stand flat-footed. And we got to take one chance. You got to jump on top of this building. How many of us going to do that? None of us. Now, the truth is, though, some of us, we going to jump higher than other people. Like, I'm, I, got a, I see a couple of kids. I'm 40 now, so my, I, can't, I don't, can't jump like I used to. But I see at least a couple of kids I can jump higher than. There's a couple of people. I got, I, matter of fact, I got, a few, I got a, peop, a few people in here a little older than me. I'm counting. I can jump higher than you, too. I think I can jump higher. Problem is I can't get on top of this building. But I'm going to be able to jump higher so I can't, and, and, and it's the thing, because the standard is, I got one time, I got to jump on top of the building. And the judgment is not whether I jumped higher than this person or this person. That's not the standard. I'm not competing against that. I'm, it's God's standard. And if I can't get on top of the building, I need help. That's where the good news comes in. He says, because of a man, he's fixed this day, and he's proven because he has raised him from the dead. And that was the show started because nobody was like, man, this, this is ridiculous. And they started mocking him and ridiculing him. And they started laughing. They're like, man, this dude is stupid. This dude is ridiculous. And yet some are like, hold on. I need to, I want to I hear a little more of this. We even see some believed. See, what's so cool about this is when he proclaimed the resurrection of the dead of Jesus Christ, what he was laying out is that the gospel is God's power for the salvation of all who believe. To the Jew first and then to the Greek or then to the Gentile for everyone who believes. What he was letting them know is this. God has provided a way that just like you can't jump on top of this building, if you trust him, you say, God, you get me on top of this building. God will put you on top of it. Meaning his standard has been given by Jesus Christ. And by faith in Jesus Christ, we receive God's salvation. That's why it's good news, because what he did was lay out the bad news first. We all deserve God's judgment in righteousness, and yet God has provided his salvation in Jesus Christ. And why do I believe it? Because he got up from the grave just like he said he would. We're talking about a God that says, I'm going to prove, I'm going to go through great lengths to prove my love for you. And I'm going to take some centuries to do so. And I'm going to proclaim and I'm going to provide evidence and I'm going to give prophecies and I'm going to give predictions and I'm going to come through on every single promise so that when Jesus shows up and he walks out of that grave just like he said he would on the third day, you may believe and trust no matter whatever else you see. God is faithful and you have salvation because the grave could hold him. We're talking about a God that is more powerful that death itself has lost. And the reaction to the gospel was some believe and some didn't. I'm reminded when I look at this is the truthfulness of this message that we hold dear 
and the truthfulness of this message that we share with others is not dependent on whether everybody believes it or not. You know, I would think about now with the rise of social media, we can't agree on nothing. You know, you somebody the other day posted a picture of a rock and says, this is a rock. Don't at me. And you know, it was like hundreds of comments about how that's not a rock. Let alone somebody like think about sports. It's always a debate of who is the greatest of all time. We can't agree on that. I'm sitting there like, what do you have to do to be the greatest of all time? Like, is it wins? Is it stats? Like, what is it? You know, musical artists. Who the greatest? Man, you got all kind of arguments. I'm sitting there like, so we talking about album sales, ticket sales. We, what makes somebody great? It's so much confusion because we got every kind of opinion, but this is, where, this is where the rubber meets the road. It's not so much about the opinion. The issue is that the reason we can't agree on all these kind of things is because we all got different kind of values. We value different things. So that's where we re agree or reject certain things based off what we value. So when the Apostle Paul or when we share the gospel of Jesus Christ, because of certain people's values at that time, they may be rejecting that message because they may not be. Right now, somebody may not be valuing eternal life with God. Right now, uh, they trying to pay the light bill tomorrow. So right now, that ain't a value of mine. Yeah, that sound good. Uh, I don't go to hell, but uh, I plan on living for another 20 years or so, and I'm trying to get some groceries. And so they may not be valuing that message. And that's why I always love to share with you all is that the gospel is not just about life eternal, but it's even about right now. The gospel is about God with us. God being faithful to his promises, meaning we experience God's faithfulness in this life now. With the hope and the guarantee we will be with him in eternity for all, forever and ever and ever. That's the good news of the gospel. And that's why Paul was so moved to share. When we think about this passage, I want you to be thinking about, you know, what, what bothers you? I asked that question earlier. What bothers you? And my prayer for me and for you that our hearts become so much more in love with Jesus Christ that we're actually bothered in our spirit when people don't know him. Because what we see is truly in the scripture, there is a need for the gospel. And men and women, it's not an option. There is a need for the Lord Jesus Christ. And may they burden be on, on our hearts. So we talk about passion. I, I was just, um, my oldest daughter had the opportunity to go on a, on a college visit these past few days. And she went up to Duke University. And she stayed uh, with, a, with a family friend and, and was able to, you know, go to classes. So it wasn't even just a regular tour for a student. But she went there and actually went to four classes. And what was interesting is she shared something with me that got me thinking about the message of the gospel. And what it, he, in, in one of the classes, they asked the question, what's the difference between an activist and a philanthropist? And, and as she said it, I was sitting there like, well, I think I know, but now I'm a little confused. I don't know if I know. And she said, the professor painted a picture. He said, say, you know, you, there, there's some people standing on the side of a river. And all of a sudden, they start seeing a baby coming down the river. 
coming downstream. And then they see another baby. And then they see more babies. And then they see more babies. And all of a sudden, and then one of them jumps in the river and starts trying to get the babies out of the river, trying to save the babies, trying to save the baby. And they pull them out, and it's baby after baby, and they pulling them out. They pull them out the river trying to save all the babies' lives. But then one of them stand on the bank, and they say, man, I, I don't, I'm not going to help that. And they go upstream to try to figure out what's the cause of all these babies coming down the stream. And they said, which one is the activist, which one is the philanthropist? And I was thinking, I'm like, now I really don't know. And he said, the philanthropist is the one that's jumping in the water, pulling out the babies. The activist is trying to deal with the root of the problem and see how can we fix it so no more babies come downstream. And I thought about this. Are we activists for Jesus Christ? Because too many times our culture, we see problems and then we just want to put Band-Aids on it. We see a problem in the culture, let's give it an Advil. We see a problem in the culture, we see some injury, we see something, oh, let's, let's just put a little cream on it. Oh, we, let's put a little Benadryl on it. Let's put a little eczema cream on it. And we just dealing with symptoms instead of, let's go to the root of the problem. Is there a sin issue that needs to be dealt with? Is there an aspect of the gospel that's not being embraced? Because it's at the root that we start to see true transformation and true healing. And that's where the gospel of Jesus Christ comes in. It is good news because it is about God's salvation and the proof of his faithfulness. And what we're celebrating today. And we know it for a fact. The grave is empty. He is risen from the dead. He lives forevermore. And he's coming back for me and you in righteousness. Amen.